Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 525, the second episode of season 11. It's nice to have you here. Tonight, Sasha is going to be starting to get the cabling going on her new computer. Exciting. And actually wire that up. And Sasha. Yes? I think we're going to plug power into it and just hope beyond hopes it doesn't explode. <laughs> What else have we got? Tonight we've got, you've got news stories. You want to tell us about those? That's, yes. Um, so here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. It's official. If you, have, if you had a Yahoo account in 2013, it was compromised. Apple is investing a ser- investigating a series of reports about battery problems with some of its new iPhone 8 Plus phones. Ooh. NVIDIA's CEO says Moore's Law is dead, claiming GPUs will soon replace CPUs. In the near future, you may be able to eat a robot that will heal you or provide nutrients. And don't mess with Amazon. A couple is facing up to 20 years in jail for stealing over $1.2 million in merch from the online shopping site. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit our website, Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Sasha. How you been? Hope you had a great week. Uh, this is episode two of season 11, episode number 525. want to say, first of all, welcome to all of our new viewers, especially mm-hmm. if you're watching on channel 33 in the high desert in sunny California. Very nice. Nice to have you here. Uh, also, anyone who's been joining us through the website, mm-hmm. we're getting a lot more views on YouTube. We really appreciate uh, you joining us as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of YouTube, Brittany Marie sent us a comment. Do you want to feel yeah. that one? Yeah. So um, says, first, um, Season 11 rocks. Great work with the new graphics package and ads redo. The show might need to come with a user warning, though. It would be great to get a heads up to put on your solar eclipse glasses before you go to one of the tight hand model shots on Sasha. Oh, bling! Oh, the bling. It's my new ring. Looking forward to season 11. Yes. I thought thought that you were going with the the forehead. Well, we've made enough fun of that. I can see the 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 shimmer. (laughs) It's like lens flare. You know when you're You're watching Star Trek? The lens flare is yes. like coming off my forehead. Yes, that's right. It's exactly I, the same. You know, before that's how the, they create the effect. Before the show goes live, I always powder my nose, right? It, so same I could just, here. I could just like lend you some. We'll pow- we'll powder your. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. <laughs> you know, I thought it, I thought you know what does a bald guy do in a studio set? Uh, it's either makeup or you can actually get some special lighting that is diffused in such a way that bald people can use it. Really? Eh? Huh. huh. So that it's bald people like What does it folks. do to the non-bald people? Uh, gives them skin cancer. 
don't know. Well, What's with you and your useless questions? We're two-thirds hairy, right? Hey? We're only one-third bald. Who? Oh, us. <laughs> the three of us. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm 100% bald. I have eyebrows. Is that the... Well, I'm sitting there going, who's hairy? <laughs> oh, goodness me. Oh. Good to be. Okay. Welcome. I, I said Star Trek, and so I want to go did, back yes. there. Because the segue is gone now. <laughs> we have ruined you, it. Have you seen Star Trek Discovery yet? Uh, no. Have you? Have you? No. Here's the get problem. Get off my set. <laughs> Here's the problem. I can't get it. You can't get it? I don't have... CBS All Access or even on their website has the first episode. I don't. You need subscriptions for those. And I don't I have don't, any... Do you need it on their website? I think it's just freely available, the first episode. Uh, I, tr- I tried to require a subscription. Oh, come on. Now, I, I, maybe it's all access is five bucks a month. I spend enough money on other subscription services. If you're, watch, if you're watching this in the U.S., you can pick it up on Netflix. That's right. That's that cool. Would be nice. yeah. That would be nice. Netflix, Netflix Canada. Who yes. wants to... Okay. I w- if it was on Netflix, I would yeah. have already watched it. Yeah, so would I. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we said this is worth getting CBS All Access for. So we're going to do it. And that's all that we've used it for thus far. <laughs> well, is it worth it? That's the question. I okay. Think it's Star Trek. It, like, this is legitimate Star Trek. So it's worth it in that we feel like, my wife and I feel like we're supporting the franchise. Right. Just the same reason that we went to see the movies, even though they were not. Great. Well received. You know, I I, I like the movies. <laughs> they were okay as a standalone thing, but they were not Star Trek. Plain and simple, they, they had not, a different feel. They were not in line with Gene Roddenberry's vision. If you were right. uh, an original okay. series or the Next Generation, especially uh, fan, then it's not in line with that at all. That's true. But they had to bring in a whole new set. Anyway, we're getting off topic. So that's talk the about movies. your shows. <laughs> so the the TV show Star Trek Discovery. We've been really really excited about it. And it really does feel more like the movies than Star Trek. Mm. They've changed a lot of stuff to make it feel like the movies. Okay. Klingons are not Klingons. There's subtitles to read in order to follow the conversations that Klingons are having. Oh. Which is okay and kind of cool. Kudos to the actors. They did a fantastic job of carrying that. But, okay, so... When you think about it, the plot line of Star Trek Discovery, though, this is before they had the Universal Translator. So technically... Timeline-wise, yes. Yes, you're watching it before they had the technology to translate for them. So really, you're seeing it from the perspective of the Discovery crew. Okay, okay. Where, where they I'll give it that. I'll give it that. So th- that's if my take this was not sci-fi and this was not suspension of disbelief and <laughs> ability to use technologies that actually don't exist... Then I'll give it that. Right. So we were looking and hoping for a Star Trek to mm-hmm. carry us through because it's been a long time since we've had a good Star Trek. Yep. I'm a next generation baby. So grew up on the Starship oh, yes. Enterprise, NCC 1701D. Captain Jean-Luc Picard is my dad. So, you know, this is, this is me. Yeah, I got his genes. <laughs> um, they raised me, buddy. True, true out. It's so, true. Yep. That's, That's what we true. Wanted. My That's first crush we was Wesley Crusher. Aww. That was my first childhood crush. You had a crush on the crush. Yeah. Er. Yeah. Nice. Um, we had a big surprise, though, when we saw Star Trek Discovery, and it was not what we were hoping for. Okay. And then, what? We saw the Orville. <gasps> I love Orville. 
Orville. We saw the Orville. This is Seth MacFarlane. We're watching this, which feels like Star Trek. Yes, it does. It feels like Star Trek. We know that Seth MacFarlane is uh, a big Star Trek Next Generation fan, original mm-hmm. series fan. He, he made an appearance or two mm-hmm. on The Next Generation. Um, so to have him making a spoof we were expecting is something else. But right, the spoof ended up being really good. It's not a spoof. No, it, I mean, there's, there's elements of spoofiness. Mm-hmm. There are qu- but very minimal. It's almost like if we were to thrust real people into the next generation universe. Right. How would that be? Would they right. be the stiff, morally perfect people, or would they be a little bit on the witty side, a little bit, you know, fun loving and and mm-hmm. flawed, <laughs> slightly flawed. Here anything and there. with flawed. Seth MacFarlane has some sort of flaw, though. And that's what's funny about it. This is the guy who made Family Guy. Yes, and mm-hmm. continues too. So. My wife, Becca, and I are sitting there watching the Orville. We're at season, uh, episode four. Mm-hmm. I think there are five in total so far okay. as we broadcast this. And I looked at my wife and I said, you realize Family Guy is paying for this. <laughs> the special effects are amazing. The yes. ships are amazing. The costuming is amazing. And the videography and production is outstanding. Even the script was really well done. Outstanding. Fantastic. Somebody said to me, well, episode three was not as good as episodes one and two. And I said, well, here's here's my perspective on episode three, and I won't give you any spoilers. My perspective is they took a real risk to show us that the Orville is not just a slapstick spoof. Yes. They showed us that it is pushing to be something like Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Moral uprightness um, against racism and equality for all people, regardless of gender or sexual orientation or race. That's what it, it shows, which is very much in line with Star Trek The Next Generation. And mm-hmm. so then seeing, you know, seeing my comment, they say, you know what? I think you're right. Yep. Episode three, they showed us that they're not just a funny spoof. It's true. So we watched the the new Star Trek Discovery. We watched Star Trek. Uh, we watched the Orville, and the Orville's coming out on top. Uh, nice. I when I saw the first episode of Orville, I was expecting something uh, not unlike um, the other movie. Uh, he did um, Thousand Ways to Die in the West. Haven't seen it. Okay. And I was like, okay, I, I expected it to be something like that, where it was kind of cheese. Okay. Um, well, Family well, Guy, I, I, that's well, what I, yes, I was expecting yeah. more of that. Yeah, but no, I, no. I was pleasantly surprised to the point, I turned off the episode and it was one of those moments where you sit there going, I, I actually enjoyed that. I, I yeah. wasn't expecting <laughs> that. Would, I want to see <laughs> the next episode. Have you seen it? What I do you need think? To, I need to watch it. Tell us what you think. It's Orville versus Star Trek Discovery. Which one feels more like Star Trek to you. If you're watching this on YouTube or through our website, comment below. Otherwise, send us an email. Go to category5.tv and you can find us by clicking on Contact Us. All right, we've got to get into it, folks. Sasha, are you ready? Yes! Okay, last week, Sasha finished kind of putting together the computer. Yes. So we've got this thing. Let's clear some space here, Jeff, if I may. All right. And let's see if we can do this. So this is part eight. Part eight. So tell us what we're going to do, Sasha. Do you know? We are going to, if memory serves me correctly, we're going to connect the power. Yeah. And close the case and power it up. We're 
Connecting the power, powering it up. So there we go. So there's the power supply there. I know. See, I've I've missed the unboxing. Well, I was here for the unboxing, unboxing, but but I missed like putting. Yeah, like gotta watch the show, Jeff. Watch it when you're not here. There you go. Can you folks see that at home? It's a beautiful build. That is beautiful. You know what, really Jeff? You could watch the uh, the parts of the series that you missed. I, I know I could. Could do it. Cat5.tv slash CPU2017. There you go. So do it. That's where you go. That's right. All right. Sasha, this bag here yes. is chock full of these modular cables. Right. So as we get into our eighth part, realizing that, hey, we've got to wire this thing up. Mm-hmm. That's really all we're going to accomplish tonight. It takes some time, right? but we're going to get this thing done. So um, all these cables come with the power supply because it's a modular power supply. Excuse me while I crouch down behind the desk. There we go. Oh, and by the way, Jeff wore green today. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. I said, no, no, do not wear green. Do not wear green. And he misread the email. I I completely misread it. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All right. So this big stack of cables, there you have it. Well, Sasha. I need all of those. No, that's the butte, is that anything that you don't need, you can emit. That's right. So it doesn't use up space in your chassis. Okay. It's not a bunch of cables to tie up. Look at all those. Keeps it's you imagine so that clean. inside. Keeps it clean. Keeps the airflow oh. high. It's beautiful. Okay. All right. I have the same power supply in my uh, computer at home. This is and the RM850X from Corsair. Love it. Absolutely love it. Because I only need the cables that I need. Keeps my box so clean. Air flows much better. It's awesome. Mm. Nice. Can we, what we're going to do, because Sasha, you've got to be really hands-on with this. And we're on a green screen tonight where we're actually on multiple cameras. And Sasha can't just walk over here. So we're going to fade to black. And when we come back, Sasha and Jeff are going to be switching. Swapperoo. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Sasha, where are you? <laughs> Sasha. This is a very big tower, the <laughs> chassis. Oh, that's funny. So that I, out of the bag, we kind of elevated your camera a little bit to make you a little bit taller. That can go lower. I can't, believe, I can't believe how much we crashed back down to reality in one show. Just like that. Okay, so are you ready to get going on this? I am. So okay. what we're going to do here is just basically wire it up. All right. That's all we've got time for, and that's all we can do. But if you're following along the series, this is a great opportunity for you to see how just normal, everyday folks can build computers. We're not computer builders. We've never done this before. I haven't built a computer in years. Um, and you've never done it. I have never done it. So no. this is brand new to me. Let's, so I need all so they can see the guidance. All right. So okay. that's what I'm here to do. But I'm not here to give guidance as a professional computer builder by any stretch. And uh, it's really just comes down to, hey, you know what? Anyone can do this as long as you kind of have an idea of what you're looking for, what you need, and uh, and can, you know, be reasonably mm-hmm. good with your hands and gentle with it. So, Sash, okay. a couple of things here. Right. So, first of all, this is your power header, 24-pin for the motherboard. Right. That's going to come off the power supply. These guys here, you see all these cables? Yeah. Those are for the case. So, these are different pieces of the case. HD audio, so that's so you can plug in headphones and things like that. Sweet. You've got, uh, Um, you look at the USB, USB, so that's a USB port, 2.0. And then we've got a USB 3.0 right here. Very fast, very cool. Yeah. So these are all things that are part of the the actual 
um, chassis, the case, okay? Okay. <clears throat> so your motherboard came with, if I can find it here, there it is, what's called a, uh, a pin header. And this is going to make it a little easier for you to, uh, to connect all these things. So do you want to just open that up? Certainly. All right. So what we need to do is basically connect all these things to the motherboard where they go. So the pin headers are part of the, like the power switch and the LEDs and things. And you'll see that it's all very, right. very well labeled. Um, so you need to find and line up these guys. Usually the labeling is going to go on the outside. So it's positive and negative, but... I all, I'm already lost. Okay. okay. Find your way. Okay, sorry. Speaker. This is... Ground for power. Power LED, which is light-emitting diode. So this... No. Pa oh, this one here? No. That's no. the reset switch. So this is a reset switch, and we don't see any reset there. No, this there. is... Turn it over. You see reset? Oh, reset. Okay, so that goes there. There are two. Okay, so reset goes this way. Uh, nope. No. Goes flat, looking out. Oh, like this. Yes. Got it. Holy moly. See, this is why we budget eight weeks to this. Maybe that way? Because <laughs> that's... No? I'm so sorry. Here, Sash, I'm going to just show you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to plug right on. Oh, just like I'm just being too gentle. Sure. <laughs> don't be too gentle folks um yeah there you oh, okay so, so that's your reset switch with the ground and okay so now we've got a power switch which is on this side yeah that's your power switch oh yeah okay see how that goes yes okay what else can you get on there um, we've got <clears throat> let's see what other cables we've got these are usb and audio here we go power led power light emitting diode these are the lights Oh, and good. the hard drive LED. All right. So this one here, positive goes on this side and negative on that side. Exactly. Yeah. Just line them up. All right. So this header just makes it easier because then you can just plug it right into the motherboard. So easy. Yep. You can do it out. Just easier to get at. Okay. Next one yep. is what? This is the HDD. Hard drive. Okay. Hard disk drive is Hard what that stands for. In drive. our case, it's a, an M.2. <coughs> right. All right. So I don't know if that, if that actually shows M.2 activity or not. Okay, so we've got to find where the header goes on your motherboard. Let's see. And don't forget, now we Should have I have a ground on here? Because they're... We have not plugged in the, uh, the fan yet. So don't forget, we need to put the fan on the header. I'm going to just do that right now real quick, if I may. Okay. So that is just right down in here. We learned that last week. We just want to make sure that that's on the motherboard so that when we fire it up, the fan's going to go. Right. Okay. So the headers, what have we got? What's the header look like? Okay. So we see kind of how the pin looks. So that shows me, there you go. It's called panel on the motherboard. It's only going to go on one way. So Sasha, do you want to... Go nice. ahead and plug that in. Yeah. And it's only going to go in one way. Yeah, because there are pins that are missing from the motherboard. Right. And they're filled in on the, uh, oh. on the header. That was easy. Was it easy? Yeah. Fantastic. Look yes. at that, folks. 
It's got the headers on there. Okay, so now we've got to find USB 3, which is this bad boy. That's the okay. fast USB. So right. find a port where you can plug that in. All right, USB 1. Oh, USB 3. That there is not go. it. Yep. Okay. Perfect. It's only going to go one way because there's a kind of a. Oh, there's a ticky boo on it. A ticky boo, folks. Is that the technical phrase? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, All right. she's in. Okay, we've got USB and front panel audio. HD audio and USB, there you go. Are they also over here? Okay. I don't know. I see a USB header there. Uh, okay. What else have we got? We've got another USB 3 header. We've got a chassis fan header. We've got a whole I'm bunch of stuff. Let me get this so, guy in here. Right, so you're going to put the USB up there? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Oh, so wow. Sasha has never done a computer build, but pretty much other than me just lending a hand here and there and, and giving a little bit of advice from what little experience I have, um, she's done this whole build. So this is really the final touch. Hey, Jeff, like just getting the wiring finished. Oh, and yeah. Then, um, and then we're ready to fire her up. The wiring is the part that I always loathe when it comes to building it's a tedious, computer. It's tedious, isn't it? Yeah. You just want to turn it on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I'm having trouble with this one. What's going on? It, it only goes one way. Right. Okay, so look at the pin, pin assignment, and we see that there is a pin that is one away from the edge, but the one that you're trying to plug into has not the same pin assignment. So that port is not compatible with this front panel. Oh, okay. okay. So let's just... Uh, oh, maybe I just tried to plug in the wrong one. I did. And that would explain it, plugging HD audio into USB. Good call. Holy. There we go. That was easy. All right. What else have we got? Can you find the HD audio? <laughs> Clearly not. We could look at the, the uh, manual, of course, oh. but they're going to be around here somewhere. Okay, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. There it is. Oh, you see it? Yeah. Right you there. Get, you get that. All right. All right. There we go. So that's the front panel audio. Boom. It's on. <clears throat> so we're going to tie all these down and make it look nice and all that kind of stuff. Later. Post-production. Sure, yeah, make sure we've got everything else. Okay, so the chassis fan. Okay. This is the fan on the back of the computer. Right. <clears throat> that needs to be plugged into the motherboard. So you're going to need to untwist that and find a chassis fan header, which I see two of them down there. Oh, super. You know that there's a couple over here. Okay. Go, Sasha. Go, go, ooh, go. Ooh. I feel like I would never make never. it in one of those Survivor shows. Yeah, really, right? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't recall Survivor building a Take computer. Take off the twist tie. This is TV. Take off the twist tie. Go, go, go. You can do it. Okay. So if you're new here, <laughs> all this, right, where are you this going? This is that, right? Chassis fan. That, oh, yeah, right? that's nice and close. You could have probably left the uh, twist tie on, actually. That could have saved five minutes off the show. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my God. Oh, goodness, Sasha. How do She's people trying. with big hands do this? How many weeks do we budget for this? Two. Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> but like we do hope to fire it up and start installing the uh, software next week. Ooh. Okay. Okay, are you on? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. This wiring is done. This is the motherboard, all the headers, so that when you push a power button and all that kind of stuff, it's going to actually power up. That's the key thing. Right. Okay? Now, we've got to get this up, Sasha. Sorry, I need to upstage you with your computer. Okay, 
let's take a quick boo at this guy here. So the headers on the power supply itself, right. these are going to power the motherboard and all the peripherals by running the cables through the back of the case. So it hides it. It hides it, yes. Okay, so we've got to find the right one. So this is SATA, no. Uh, they should be marked. I know these, these kind of things. <laughs> But uh, SATA is your hard drive header right. for power. This is a Molex. Molex we do need because I saw um, a Molex adapter here sticking out of the chassis, okay. which is most likely the LED lights. Right. That would be my guess. Or it could be, nope, there is no uh, chassis fan in the top, so that is going to be the lights, which are the most important piece. In my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Especially that was a big thing that Dave wanted. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, we suspect that he does because he wants the coolest of cool. Well, exactly. That's right. So what I want you to do, Sash, is grab that Molex and feed it out through one of the grommets just so that it's out of it, the way. And we it would not matter. It would not matter which one. Well, just, just yeah, the one that's closest and okay. can hide it away. So you see that? That's going to hide that Molex away so that when we plug it in here, it's going to be in the back of the case. Right. Unseen. So it's just Very this nice cool. thin little wire. Where does that plug in? So this plugs into the power supply. Right. Okay. So I just need to get in there mm-hmm. and find peripheral. There we go. Peripheral, peripheral. They've got tons of them. So I'm just going to have to wire in um, those kinds of things. So we're going to take a really kind of quick um, go at this. We're going to get it done really, really fast. And through the magic of television, we're going to speed things up. And then we're going to... We're going to be ready to go. Super. Ready for this? Yes. Okay, here we go. PCI Express is the graphics card. Okay. Okay. We talked about that on episode, on part seven. So the graphics card needs supplemental power. And if you fire up the computer and there's no video, you know that you've missed this particular cable. This step. This is what is going to give that graphics card power. So again, we're going to go out through a grommet, Sasha. Right. I can do this hands-on a little bit, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Push on that just so that it looks like you did it. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we've got the <clears throat> power for the motherboard is this big fat guy. Okay. You do this one. This is the most important because this is the power for the actual the motherboard itself, the computer. Okay. Okay. So I have to find where it goes in here first. Yeah, so it's going to go out the probably the same grommet, I would think. That's a good one. It's well situated. These ones here are blocked by the motherboard, so you're not going to be able to go out those ones. Okay. And then... Now, l- let's make sure that you've got... The right I don't side. Know if, yeah, I don't know if these are... Oh. If it matters which side you have. Well... They look the same. Yeah, they look the same on, on both sides. So, uh, except this one's got an extra clip. So this is the power supply side. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then in here, where do <clears throat> I plug that in? That's going to go in for the uh, the actual ATX power supply. So this right here. If that looks like the one. 24-pin ATX. Ah, there you go. Yep. yep. It says it right on it. <laughs> so... 
seriously doubting my abilities here. It just needs to go right in there. Okay. And and I don't mind lending a hand. I just want you to be. She's <laughs> like, yeah, please do. Please do. This is this is Sasha's build, and I don't want to be too hands on with it. It's just, you know, it is a little tricky sometimes. It's tough to to do when you can't get at it. Let's see yeah. here. Okay, so let's get that one on here. Now, in this case, could it have been, like, is there enough wiggle room to hook up the power supply first and then secure it? Yeah, you absolutely could, Jeff, but there's a lot of room in here that I can, you know, even me with my sausage fingers. You can get in I, there? I can get in here, no problem. You, you get in here, no problem. I Sasha could, too. She's just nervous. Ten- too tentative and yeah. scared. Don't want to my... break the delicate computer. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's it. And we just got to get that to clip in. And for those who are watching this and you're just walking in and saying, what, is, what are these guys doing? They don't know how to build computers. You are absolutely right. We do not. <laughs> this is an experiment in proving that even if you are not a computer builder, even if you're just an, mm-hmm. a normal everyday person that is just wanting to build their own computer just for fun. That you can. You can do it. You that's can right. absolutely do it. So that's on. Okay. And we're going to flip this over here. Notice how gentle I'm being with your baby. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now there's the 24-pin header on the motherboard there. Right. It's only going to go on one way, but you want to line it up the right way. And there we go. Perfect. That's the power for the motherboard. Couldn't okay. have done it better myself. So I think we've got everything set as far as power goes, I believe. Uh, yeah, we've got the all the headers on for the fans. We don't need a hard drive power supply because we don't have a hard drive. We're using an M.2. Right. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to plug this in. We're just going to turn it on. We're going to hope that it doesn't explode. Do you have a, yeah, a fire extinguisher? Handy we just have a case. fire extinguisher and we have, have two a cup of coffee. We're ready to rock. I can throw the cup of coffee. Don't go anywhere, <laughs> folks. When we come back, we're going to see it either go up in smoke or light up. One or the other. Those are our two options. That's it. Don't go anywhere. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Great job, Zasha. <laughs> thank yes. you. Now, Jeff, you've switched back. Yes. Are we ready? I, I think so. I've plugged in a power cord into the power supply. Did We're you just gonna... plug the power cord into an outlet? I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> Fire that. Oh, so this is the power switch. There's so lights. Now, now the power is. Oh, look at that. There is power to the motherboard. Oh, what is all that? Oh, the start button is illuminated, Sasha. <gasps> it's like starting an engine. Okay, Jeff, do you want to have the honors? Yes. Ready? But I feel like Sasha should. Three. No, no, I'm going to do it. So Two. I'm still in do it. One. <gasps> no oh! way! It looks awesome! Yes! Oh, that's cool. 
And it, it oh boy. you can switch the colors, right? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna pick red at some point. Like you want to try? Red. I, I do. I want. Ready? Oh, oh, look at that. Nice. <laughs> so when you push the button, it just oh, oh, yeah. it's Christmas. <laughs> oh, there's your red. Perfect. Oh, it's off. This is the Versa C22 from Thermaltake. Uh, so the case came with all these LEDs. It looks nice. So, That's of beautiful. course, it's not going to actually boot to anything because we haven't installed any software yet. Right. But there's no smoke. Things are moving. Doesn't fans, smell like it's burning. Fans are spinning. You don't even hear it. No, it's very, very quiet. It's we've got, super silent. We've got airflow going the correct direction. So I'm feeling a good airflow coming off of that. Um, wow. Yeah. Things that don't need to be spinning are not spinning. They spin up as things get hot. That looks fantastic. Sasha, congratulations. <gasps> Thank you. So Thank you all. <laughs> next, week, next week, we're actually going to plug it into a monitor. Mm-hmm. We're going to start installing some software. We're going to get Linux on there. We want to get Steam on there. don't know if we're going to be able to get everything on there all at once, but at least we're going to get it up and running yes. as a working computer yes. that you built. <laughs> Sasha built that. Yes. So check it out, folks. Um, in the meantime... That's all the time that we have for this feature for tonight. Make sure you go to cat5.tv slash CPU2017 to follow the whole series and see how we selected the hardware, why we selected each individual component, and how it was assembled. Mm -hmm. So don't miss out on that. cat5.tv slash CPU2017. Over to our newsroom. Sasha Dermata standing over there eagerly. This is like all you today. That's right. Here I am. You got the stories? I do. She's got the stories. <laughs> Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. It's official. If you had a Yahoo account in 2013, it was compromised. Apple is investigating a series of reports about battery problems with some of its new iPhone 8 Plus phones. NVIDIA's... NVIDIA's CEO says Moore's Law is dead, claiming GPUs will soon replace CPUs. In the near future, you may be able to eat a robot that will heal you or provide nutrients. And don't mess with Amazon. A couple is facing up to 20 years in jail for stealing over $1.2 million in merch from the online shopping site. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? You're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Yahoo has revealed that the major security breach in 2013 compromised all 3 billion accounts the company maintained. That's a threefold increase over the estimate it disclosed previously. The revelation contained in an updated page about the 2013 hack is the result of new information and the forensic analysis of an unnamed security consultant. 
Previously, Yahoo officials said that about 1 billion accounts were compromised. With Yahoo maintaining roughly 3 billion accounts at the time, the 2013 hack would be among the biggest ever reported. Yahoo officials wrote in the update, we recently obtained additional information and after analyzing it with the assistance of outside forensic experts, we have identified additional user accounts that were affected. The report goes on to reveal the jaw-dropping truth, saying Yahoo has determined that all accounts that existed at the time of the August 2013 theft were likely affected. The information has taken the information taken in the heist may have included users' names, email addresses, telephone numbers, dates of birth, passwords, scram passwords scrambled using the weak MD5 cryptographic hashing algorithm, wow. and in some cases, encrypted or unencrypted security questions oh. and answers. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. So, Dave had a Yahoo account at that point. This is Sasha's husband, Dave. Right. So... Now, so what he can aware he do? That, that, hey, your data was compromised. We know that your data was compromised. Right. Well, so, I mean, until he watches this episode, right? right? Yeah. Then he won't know that because before it was just one in three Some chance. Some may have been. Okay, so if you had a Yahoo account in 2013 or mm -hmm. before, so when I signed up for it as a kid and then never canceled it. And, and I did. Of, all of my email... <laughs> all of my the the information that is connected to that account so let's think about what that means i sign up for online services mm -hmm. when i do that i mm -hmm. provide my email address as a means of connecting to that service mm -hmm. so if i ever forget my password what do i do i click on forgot password and it sends right. me what a, a link to reset your password by email Mm -hmm. Right. So if the user's email account was completely compromised, this, uh, assuming Yahoo being the email account, mm -hmm. um, at least that aspect of their services, then any malicious user could create a script that does forgot password on all these different services, PayPal, online banking, um, Twitter, Facebook, mm -hmm. and gets that email sent to that email account and then is able to compromise the account. So then all of a sudden the account is locked. The first thing they do is change your password and that's done. Right. So how do you protect yourself? Like how in the future now, like you had a Yahoo account in 2013. Right. How, what do you do now? There's so much potential for what could be compromised. And even just thinking of, okay, what, what was my Yahoo password? I can't even remember, but was it the same password that I used for my online banking? Right. See, I don't even remember my, what my Yahoo email was. I just know I had one. Right. But it was connected in some way to you right. personally. You had to provide personal information, be it your address or your phone number in order to activate that account. And there are emails in the inbox right. that are connected to you. So how do you protect yourself? Well, mm -hmm. first of all, you've got to change your passwords. So, hey, if you had a, a Yahoo account back in 2013 and any of these questions are relevant to you, if you're thinking maybe I did use the same password somewhere else or maybe I have some services connected to Yahoo, you need to cancel that connection. Yes. Change right. your email account on all of your, like if Twitter po points to your Yahoo account, change it to Gmail or whatever it is that you're using now and change your password on that service because you don't know. Somebody may have already done the forgot password routine and not done anything about it. Right. It might be 
a benign thing where they're accumulating logins and passwords. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden they hit. That's, you know, zero day, if you will. You know, you don't see it coming and all of a sudden, boom, 10,000 accounts are compromised. How did it happen? They've been working at it for four years. Right. Right. So, so change your passwords. Okay. So if this ever happens again. Yes. Should I just have like an email address that is just for those things? Like, how do you protect yourself? Because say email gets hacked again. Mm-hmm. Do you just, like, can I just have, like, a random email address that's not linked to me in any other It's going way? to be linked like, to you as soon as you use it. Yeah. Um, uh. So the fact is, is you just need to realize that your email is really a central hub mm-hmm. of information about you. Right. So if you, mm. if you ever suspect that there is something malicious going on, you need to immediately change your password, do mm-hmm. whatever it takes to make sure that your services that are connected to that email account are updated to use different passwords, for example. Change your right. passwords. It might help to just always be suspicious and just change your passwords frequently. Yes, yeah, it, it certainly there is something to be said for that. It's right. kind of security through... But, but then what happens if, if you get into a routine, I've seen this in businesses, if you get into a routine of often changing your password, people tend to fall to simple passwords. Because like adding a one to, to the end or a two or a three. This is how people get, you know, why is password one, two, three the most popular password? Because people don't like to have to constantly change their password. Right. And if you get into that routine, you will eventually fall to the fact that, oh, I already used that password. Oh, I already used that password. Okay, I'm just going to add a one to the end. Right. And that's where it becomes Now, did we not cover is either a news story or something a while ago. I'm going to say maybe mm-hmm. six months ago about the strongest password you can use is actually like three random words. Essentially, uh, what that feature that you're describing was covering is what's called a password recipe. Right. right. A password recipe is used to create strong passwords that you will remember, but nobody will ever be able to figure it out. And computers even can't hack it very easily at all. Right. So that's what you want to look at. So if you're not familiar with password recipes, get onto category5.tv and do a quick search up at the top for password recipe. Easy peasy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Over the last six weeks, six reports have come to light which show the new iPhone 8 Plus phones splitting apart soon after they start to be used. In Hmm. all cases, the battery inside the phone has swollen, rendering the phones unusable. It is not yet clear whether the swollen batteries are a few isolated cases or are indicative of a bigger issue. The first report about the affected iPhone 8 Plus came from Taiwan phones with a similar problem and they have now emerged in Japan, China, Canada, Greece and Hong Kong. In a statement, Apple said it was aware of the report and was looking into what might have caused the fault. Apple's problems follow Samsung's experience with its Galaxy Note 7 last year. Mm. Hundreds of faulty Galaxy Note 7s were reported as faulty soon after the device launched. The scale of the failure prompted Samsung to recall and discontinue the handset. The problem was traced to a design flaw. Analyst Sam Jaffe says battery bloat typically happens at the end of a battery's useful life, explaining that having it happen soon after a product launch is troubling. So, mm-hmm. the Samsung problem, similar to the Apple problem, was a battery problem. Yes. Right? 
Yes. They call so, it a design flaw. That kind of makes right. me chuckle a little bit. So, uh, exactly. Oh, look at that. Okay. <laughs> a design flaw. Sam- they explode. Samsung's yeah. exploded. Yeah. Apple's is bloating. Is bloating just one step below exploding? Like, are we going to expect... If you take a right? lithium polymer battery or some battery that expands under mm-hmm. use in a very, very tiny shell, because we are consumers and we demand tiny. So get a big battery, large capacity, little tiny shell, small form factor, and you've got a recipe for disaster. So what could happen? Like, okay, so say my battery's bloating, my phone's becoming unusable. I don't know exactly how that, how that looks. But huh. if I was to try and squish it, could I pop the battery? <laughs> like, would oh, I get chemically, chemical burns? Like, could I make the, can I make it... Like, even more dangerous trying to, you know... Uh. Drill a hole to relieve the pressure? <laughs> not smart. No, you can't push it. It's not like it's spongy. Did you ever have a BlackBerry? No. Okay. BlackBerry batteries were notorious near end of life for bloating. But right. because you can pull the battery and replace it, it wasn't that big a deal. People were like, oh, my battery's getting bloated. So they pull it out and put a new one in. You could tell it was time. Right. It happened yeah. with my Blackberries all the time. But in this case, it's built into the case. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but yeah, it, absolutely, it's dangerous. What are some ways that you can prevent battery bloat then? Like in this case, obviously, it's, it's happening as soon as the a phone. Design flaw. Yes, as soon as the phone is used, it, it's bloating the battery. Right. But so look at, you know, like I, I have a case on my phone. So yeah. this is going to make my phone warmer. Mm. And it's less uh, heat dissipation than if it was just the aluminum body or whatever it is. Right. So that heat causes the battery to expand during load. So if you're watching videos, for example, or playing games, games are, you know, they have 3D. So Mm -hmm. they use a lot of resource power and, and draws a lot of battery power and causes heat. Right. So... What can you do? What can if you do? If it's a design flaw, if it's a problem with the device itself, then there's not a lot you can do. Well, I, I would say the first thing is the iPhone 8s are not that old. So maybe return it under warranty. Well, sure. exactly. You've got a one year warranty with Apple. And if Apple is recognizing it as a di- design flaw, it makes me wonder if they'll provide an extended warranty on that. Not that it's been announced, but it makes me wonder if it, it's something that they'd be considering mm-hmm. because there will be a legal liability factor. Mm-hmm. If they go, oh, sorry, you're one day past your one year, and then the battery explodes and somebody gets burned, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be legal battles that come as a result of it. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, I think at some point you're going to see Apple say, okay, we'll replace your battery for free yeah. under warranty. I think about these um, stories with the Galaxy Note 7 where, um, you know, people had burnt pillows and things mm-hmm. like that. Because That's- kids, you think about it. So I'm talking about heat being one of the problems, one of the, the things that caused this. Um, so you've got a kid who's playing video games in bed. Right. And then mom or dad come up the stairs and what do they do? They shove it under their pillow. Right. And or what if you're an adult? That generates more heat. That never happens. What if you're happens. an adult using like a white noise generator while you sleep? Right? Sure. On your phone. On your phone. And it's just constantly running and you're not thinking anything so of it. So don't have it under your pillow. Get an external speaker. Yeah. Because as soon as you encase that under a pillow or something like that, there's no way for the heat to dissipate. Mm-hmm. Well, And it's and funny because there, there are some apps that will measure, like if somebody doesn't have, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a smart watch, you can get apps for your phone that you stick under your pillow for the purpose of measuring your sleep cycle. It can tell oh, when okay. you move and all that. That's not great yeah. if that's the case. 
Right. Because you're shoving it under the oh, pillow. Oh, you mean that the, the phone, phone itself has yes. to go under the pillow? It's not a device? No, it's the oh, actual dear. phone. So if the purpose, like you're, what you're trying to do to, to keep battery bloat from happening is keep your phone cool. Mm-hmm. So you take the case off. Is there anything else you can do? Can you do some sort of attachment to it where it, it dissipates the <laughs> heat? <laughs> right? Could you attach something to it that would help? No. No? No, it really boils down to just knowing that, hey, certain apps are going to run your device hot. I find, for example, when I use a VR headset with the LG G3, uh, it gets really, really hot because the processor just goes crazy. Um, That device, my device, the G3, will turn itself off if it gets too hot. That's annoying. Right. Yes. It's a smart feature. Right. And maybe, you know, maybe there are apps that can be added to these other devices that would assist with that as mm-hmm. well. If you're a battery developer for phones, come up with something really good because the last two it's years have been a thing. bit tough. And well, this, is, yeah. this is the, what it really boils down to is we can start getting into politics and stuff like that where we can say, you know, how do you want to make change? Stop demanding smaller thinner, mm-hmm. bigger capacity, because the, the manufacturers have to keep up with consumer demand. Right. And if consumer demand says it has to be this, right. that's what happened with the Samsungs. Yep. They were it's trying true. to push the envelope of technology too far too fast. See, I'm waiting for them to deal with this kind of stuff. I'm waiting to see solar panels, so to speak. On a phone? On, on the back and underneath the screen of the phone. So that you can have smaller battery capacity, but it's always charging. Oh, I wonder but now if that with would be like NFC and everything, <laughs> you can just put, put your phone down on a table and it will recharge. Assuming that you have that technology yeah. on your phone, sure. Yeah. Very cool. Hmm. Jensen Huang, founder and CEO of NVIDIA, said at the GPU technology conference in Beijing that Moore's Law is dead because it cannot keep pace with advancements in GPU design. Moore's Law is the observation made by Gordon Moore, co-founder of Intel, in 1965 that the number of transistors per square inch on integrated circuits had doubled every year since integrated circuit was invented. Moore predicted that this trend would continue for the foreseeable future. However, the pace has slowed down a bit in the subsequent years, but data density has doubled approximately every 18 months. Huang says that since the CPU transistors have grown at an annual pace of 50%, the performance has only been enhanced by 10%. He believes the GPU will take over. According to Huang, the top five e-commerce sites in China have already accepted NVIDIA Volta GPU architectures to support cloud services. And HGX-based GPU servers have been deployed by both Lenovo and Huawei. Huang claims NVIDIA's GPUs are the perfect solution for AI-based applications, suggesting he believes GPUs are set to play a larger role in certain aspects of computing rather than replacing desktop CPUs completely. He showed faith in NVIDIA's GPUs and claimed that they will be able to replace CPUs in the upcoming years. Okay, so this, but for anybody who doesn't know, GPU versus CPU, what's the difference? What, yeah. One character. (laughs) 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 Not even, like, it's just like that is the difference. You just do CPU and then just add that, and it's GPU. That is the technical term. And now everybody who has no clue what they are are going, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> well, the CPU is the central processing unit, the brains of the computer. 
The GPU is the graphics processing unit. Yes. Let's go back in time a little bit, Jeff. Okay. Think about computers, the evolution of computing. The CPU, the brains of the computer, was used for things like doing spreadsheets. Yes. Running an operating system and doing those kinds of thought processes. Didn't need a whole lot of power, realistically, in Mm -hmm. comparison to, say, 3D graphics. So... If you're just doing spreadsheets and Microsoft Office and surfing the internet, the CPU is the central processing unit, the brains of the computer. You've heard of like dual core and quad core and now hexacore computers and things like that. So you've got, wow, eight cores on your computer. That's fast. That has a lot of power. Right. Lots of threads going in. You've got, you know, eight cores. That's going to give you, you know several threads to go in, you know, so thought processes of the mm-hmm. brain, so it can think about more than four things at once, right. Right. but not more than 10 kind of thing. <laughs> right. But it does it fast, so perceptively it happens quite quickly. Mm-hmm. A GPU was built for graphics originally, so think about gaming and how mm-hmm. gaming has pushed um, to like 3D and now virtual reality and the real push is there to create really, really fast what? Graphics. Right. Right? We want high frame rates. If my kids don't have 60 frames per second on Minecraft, dad's going to hear about it. See, I remember when I was excited about 30. 30 would be awesome. Yep. Okay, so think about this. So think about your four-core computer processor. Mm-hmm. That's the CPU. Yep. Now think about a NVIDIA card you just put in a 1070 in your new computer. Right. The 1070 has over 1,900 cores. Wow. Just get your head around that for a second. Yeah. They built this to be screaming fast 3D graphics and virtual reality. Right. It is extremely fast because it is a different target of what it does. Mm -hmm. But now it's evolved to the point where they're creating architectures based on this GPU platform to allow executable applications on this platform. You're talking like AI? Like AI would be a perfect example. Okay. Because AI has to think really, really quickly in order to be responsive like a human. Hmm. Otherwise, you're waiting for it and it's not realistic. So by using GPUs, we now have not just eight threads of information that we can think about at one given time very, very quickly, albeit, we have thousands upon thousands of threads that can be thought about by that processor at any given time. Sort of reminds me of like right brain and left brain, (laughs) to be honest. They're two different components of the computer. So, But one was built for the brain and one was built for what they call the soul, Right. the gaming, you know, the power, where it gets its power from. But... Now that you can now run things on the GPU, like a server, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I do my rendering in Blender on the GPU, and oh my goodness, is it ever fast Right, compared to CPU? See, and, ridiculous. And that's why you want to have a really good graphics card. That's why we didn't cheap out on the graphics card. No. Right. It's, it's, all, it, it's almost become the most important component. Absolutely. I remember for the longest time it was the motherboard and the CPU were the two, like the two yeah. components you put all your money into. Now it's like, eh, I could spend 500 bucks on those two combined, but I got to spend 600 on just the graphics. Yeah. Board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just because of how important it's become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we did. <laughs> <laughs>
It may sound like science fiction, but researchers are closing in on the creation of an ingestible robot that can perform a variety of functions from within the human body. Mmm. Yeah, Delicious. yummy. At the International Conference on Intelligent Robots and Systems in Vancouver earlier this month, researchers from Switzerland presented a prototype of a gelatin-based actuator. Actu Gummy. Yeah. Gummy bears. Gelatin. <laughs> Save me. Actuators are the components that allow a mechanism to physically move. So while doctors can already insert machines like pacemakers into your body, those are stationary and also require invasive surgery. It's unlikely that the gelatin robots are very tasty, but they would have a wide variety of applications. The researchers in their paper explain that the components of such edible robots could be mixed with nutrients or pharmaceutical components for digestion and, metaboli and metabolization. Potential applications are disposable robots for exploration, digestible robots for medical purposes in humans and animals, and food transportation where the robot does not require additional payload because the robot is the food. Researchers write as well, fully edible robots would help to study how wild animals collectively behave. The robots could also take a role of animal prey to observe their hunting behaviors or train protected animals to do predation. And of course, once medical components are mixed into the edible composition, the robots could help preservation of wild animals or heal the inside of the human body. So neat. That's a lot to digest. <laughs> ba -dum -ba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, okay, so anybody who's watched the show long enough knows that when it comes to robots, I'm a little bit skeptical. <laughs> and, and I a little bit I love them. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... Okay, so it's a gel casing, which should be just like... It's not a gel casing. It is gel. It's made up. Right, but that's it digestible. Is. So when it comes to the metal components, like, Does there how do we get the metal components? Yeah, are there? I don't know that the fact, there are. Here, here's the fact, is that they, and when I say they, scientists... Those have, people... Yeah, folks that are in the know with this stuff and that are researching this stuff um, have been developing um, digestible, biodegradable um, electronic components. So th we're talking resistors and capacitors that are digestible. Right. So they're not made of metal. They're made of other um, organic compounds. So and that makes sense. That makes sense. But mm -hmm. the, the fact is, is you give yourself a Raspberry Pi microcomputer and it can do a lot of stuff, but it doesn't... I'm not eating my raspberry pie. Yeah, it doesn't do any <laughs> physical movement. Right. There's no physical movement. Right. Uh, an actuator is required in order to do the physical movement. So what we now have is something that can take these edible components that could make electronic things. Like you said, you can, you can get a pacemaker, but somebody has to open you up and put it in. Right. So instead, let's say, here's the pacemaker, which has no mobility of its own, and make it mobile. Make it so that it can walk its way into your heart. Hmm. Right. Just have like a little nano robot that can just go in and maybe <laughs> heal your heart. Maybe your heart just needs a little bit of extra gelatin. These, these, edible, these edible components, <laughs> though, are, are not mobile. Right. So put an actuator on it, and now all of a sudden they become uh, mobile. Yeah. yeah. Where would it store the info? Like, how so it's collecting information, potentially, if it's yeah. for health purposes. Where does it store this information? How do, like, oh, man. How do you recover it? 
it's still really early in the kind of the announcement phase of this technology, but I think you know there there are technologies like Bluetooth and being able to sync to a mobile device or something mm -hmm. like that. Is that possible with organic technology? I don't know. Hmm. Um, could it be like we've heard of Microsoft using DNA strands to store data? Right. I remember that. Like that. Yeah, yes, yeah. I I would say I love this idea for a lot of reasons when we come to like using it for human healing and such. Sure. I don't love the idea of changing anything in wildlife. Like I don't How so? I just I don't know. I feel like we can make I guess the we can consent and they can't. So even if it's an endangered species Hold, hold on, hold right? on. You're concerned about impacting wildlife with a gel robot that would heal when, them when when you it look at all predation. across the globe <laughs> no 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 all of the <laughs> ecosystems and animals we've destroyed I, and you're concerned about a robot I, <laughs> I think I, I think we're getting kind of mixed it's, up here so okay. think yes so okay talk me. about predation think about um, domesticated or not even domesticated but think about um, a, a center that um, helps um, animals that are either endangered or perhaps they've been injured and okay. they bring them back to health. Now that animal is now acclimated to human contact. It is okay. able to, um, it's not able to go back into the wild because we know it will die right. because it will become the prey. Right. Okay. I've made the logic leap. I get it so, now. Yeah. So if, they were to get to create edible robots. Now, as a vegetarian, you can appreciate this. Now we have a prey that is programmable that the predator, this human acclimated animal that we're trying to bring back to predatory instincts, can attack this robot and eat it. And it can be digested and it can have nutrients but they're not actually affecting other animals in that process All right. and acclimating them back to predatory instincts so that they can be re, um, replaced into their original habitat. That's just one idea. It's an interesting okay. concept. I am all in now. That was, my, <laughs> that was my one hang up on that's okay okay sasha's sold yeah I, it's not like they're they're feeding animals these i was confused I was and they're, they're like becoming automatons they're parasitic strange robots <laughs> no <laughs> all right a couple in the u.s have admitted stealing goods from amazon valued at more than 1.2 million dollars by repeatedly <laughs> pretending that the items they ordered were damaged in the post oh no uh, a couple from indiana have pleaded guilty to postal fraud and money laundering the couple faces fines of up to five hundred thousand dollars as well as prison sentences of up to 20 years do not mess with amazon According to local newspaper, the Muncie Star Press, they used hundreds of false online identities to order popular tech gadgets from Amazon, including Samsung smartwatches, GoPro cameras, and Xbox, Xbox video game consoles. The couple then contacted Amazon's customer service department to report that the items have, had arrived damaged or were not working, and Amazon sent out replacement products for free.
They then sold the merchandise to another individual who resold the products to an unnamed firm based in New York. The couple and their accomplice were eventually caught after a joint investigation conducted by the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, Indiana State Police, and the Internal Revenue Service. Wow. Hmm. Wow. So Get- what kind of trail would they have to leave like, to get caught? Well, yeah. Like- I think it must have had to be backwards. It must have been that they found the New York final sale place and then went backwards maybe you think so it's, ah, like, the, the fact that the postal service is involved makes me wonder if well these did, folks would have been receiving a lot of packages well, right 1.2 million dollars worth so would amazon have been sitting there going hmm we have 800 customers all living at the same address <laughs> like was that the stupid flaw boxes or something maybe but even still like that would flag you to a certain area as getting a ton of... I mean... Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, even so, if you lived in a place like New York City, to turn around and say, you know, there's 800 accounts all having the same issues with tech in New York City where this has never happened before. Like, that would be a flag of some flag. sort. Sure. That aside, though, I mean, you think about their delivery system when they're bringing it by air and they've got drones and stuff, but mm-hmm. how much more so are people going to be tempted to grab that drone and run away with the product? Mm-hmm. Right. I never thought of doing this. I never even thought of returning anything Don't do to it Amazon. Now, no, I'm not going to do it this way. <laughs> no. But I bought a juicer. Yes. And it, uh, it was a lifetime warranty juicer. So mm-hmm. I could have easily contacted the manufacturer and yes. and just replaced a part. But I asked Amazon and they said... Amazon it, makes it easy. Yeah. Amazon yeah. said, well, do it this way. It's been within 24 hours of you receiving right. the product. Yeah. Just return it. No problem. I've returned things weeks later and they yeah. pay the shipping and everything. So if it's that easy to return it, so who's who who takes the fall? It's the sellers. So right. you think about Amazon, you think, oh, that's a great online store. Well, no, it's really an online shopping mall, let's say, mm-hmm. because the sellers that you're buying from are other companies, and they're selling their products and products that they warehouse to you as mm-hmm. basically a drop ship kind of arrangement with Amazon. Amazon mm-hmm. is the storefront, and right. they are pushing out their products. So if I buy a product as, let's say I'm a, this malicious user, and I buy that product, and I claim that it's broken, and they send me another one, now that company is down. Amazon always favors in, the, in, in favor of the buyer, mm-hmm. not the seller. So I can make up any nonsense, um, you know, something, something was broken, and they'll replace it. That's Amazon's policy. It's always right. buyer is, is number one. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic as a consumer to be able to have that kind of service, but it really can burn in a case like this where, hey, if I was a seller, that would knock me out of business. Right. So I sent my juicer back, Yeah. but I wouldn't have had to. Is that the way, is that the case of it? You sent it back for what, per, why? Why did you send it back? I returned it and then just bought a new one. Because there was something wrong with you said there was a part you needed to replace. Yeah. There was a part? There was a part that was broken. Okay. So So I could have not returned it. That's different than buyer remorse. Buyer remorse is getting the juicer and saying, hmm, I kind of wish it was pink. Right. And returning it for that reason. Now they can't sell it again. They can't sell it as new because it's used now. It's open box. But this couple would get doubles of each thing. So how did they... How did they not have to send back? That's my question. Did I not have to send back my juicer, but just did out of honesty because it was broken? Wow. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't... 
maybe you don't have to. I know that I have had a case before where I ordered some pillowcases. They were mm -hmm. coming from China. They it's it took That's a long time. It. Yeah, I've had right? that. And then they sent me another order. Well, then so I then had you got two. two of them. Right. Right. Hmm. And I have had similar instances happen. That happened with a mouse for me. Right. And it's like I'm not doing. I I don't do those things out of. But now that you make it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that, that has happened. Right. Yeah, where something doesn't arrive. So then how do they change their policy in a way to yeah. add that extra level of You've difficulty? Got to find protection for the seller. Right. I know that I Otterbox used to have it so that if your phone case was broken, they would mm -hmm. replace it, no questions asked, sure, as yeah. long as you took a picture of the broken case right. and sent right. it. Yeah. So maybe that's the case. Maybe you take yeah. the picture of whatever it is, proving that it's not usable. Yeah. And then you don't have to return it because it's clearly not usable. Okay. I bought a product for our dog and the company that we bought it from actually sent the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So I contacted Amazon and said the wrong product was sent and it was it was uh, arrived directly from Amazon. It wasn't from the like the private retailer. And the, the response I got from the individual I was talking to was Okay, well, just throw that one out and we'll send you the proper one. Yeah. And I'm like, just throw yeah. it out? You don't want it back? It's not worth it. Yeah, so it makes me wonder if it's, this, is, yeah. this is kind of the case. Mm. Right, mm -hmm. so there needs to be a way that saves people. Yeah. Get your thinking mm. caps on. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting Story Sus this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Thank you, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and I uh, hope you've enjoyed yourself tonight. We are flat out of time, but mm -hmm. uh, really looking forward to being here again with you next week, and I uh, hope you can join us. Now, I want to say thank you for those of you who have been supporting us through Patreon. You'll see the links on our website, Category5.tv, but it's a really great way that you can support Category 5. Uh, we do this, we offer this as a free show for you, and we hope that you enjoy it, and uh, we love to interact with you, uh, but it does cost a a lot of money so that is one way that you can pitch in in a fun way with some rewards there mm -hmm. to make it worth your time and uh, we look forward to having you as a part of our patronage at patreon so thank you very much to those who are doing that yes that's all the time that we have you two wow. great stuff tonight thanks so much for being here thank you. thanks for having us i'll see you, see you next wednesday night good night